want to greet you in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a blessing to be here, and uh, it is a uh, blessing to uh, look to God's Word for what He has for us this morning. I might have shared with a few of you um, personally that uh, going into the Minor Prophets has been a uh, challenge for myself. And uh, I guess I understand why there probably weren't a lot of messages preached about the minor prophets. Their messages are at times vague, and uh, yet they have a great message, I believe, for us. And so we want to look to the Lord, what He has for us this morning. Out of curiosity, how many of you read the book of Jose in the last two weeks? Thank you. Very good. I calculated that approximately 25 to 30 minutes will get you through the book of Hosea on a fast way. If you don't spend too much or get distracted uh, with uh, different things. Brings back childhood memories. Uh, back in the 80s, Brother Irvin proposed the Bible reading plan and the Halley's Bible handbook. How many remember that? Good. <laughs> Actually, there is a Bible reading plan where you read the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in the uh, course of a year. And then uh, many of the messages followed uh, those themes of those books in the Bible. And I think we also tied the Sunday school to that, didn't we? And uh, it was very interesting uh, as I recall that. No, I didn't keep up with the reading schedule. So uh, I know some did and uh, enjoyed it very much. If I think of Brother Irvin, I think of the book of Isaiah. I'd be curious what you that grew up with him and him preaching, what you think about. But in my memory of when Irvin preached, he preached often out of the book of Isaiah. Just I'm not sure why I, I remember that. I don't know if any of you would have that same feeling or not. But... Uh, Okay, for this morning we come to the book of Hosea, and the uh, first part of the message might be more like a uh, class in school, looking a little at the history and some of the things there, and then we want to look at the spiritual side of uh, Hosea, but I would like to open it. Was there something that, uh, as you read it, of a question, comment, inspiration, or something that you'd like to say before we go into the book itself this morning? Anyone? Got a question for you. What is the most prominent, hard to understand feature of the book of Hosea? Yes, Steve. Okay. How he was supposed to go and marry a harlot or prostitute. Okay, well, you and I agree on that one, Steve. That's the one that I uh, uh, thought would probably be one of the hardest things about the book of Hosea. Did anybody notice anything else? Any comments? I noticed specifically uh, how Hosea portrayed the mercy and forgiveness of God. Okay, okay. That is a very prominent feature because uh, um, um, we'll look at that a little bit later, but Hosea's marriage to a prostitute was to show the love of a father, love of a husband. 
And uh, he does that. He definitely does do that. So uh, Stan, for you and others that are visitors here, um, the Lord in the last years has worked on me to go into the Minor Prophets, and I've resisted it for quite some time. But uh, he finally gave me the material to work with and go with. And uh, so we had one message of introduction. And now we're going into the 12 minor prophets. So uh, that's uh, hopefully get everyone involved. We uh, encourage to read the book before that if you can. And so that's why we want to look at the book of Hosea this morning and what it has for us. So uh, find it very enjoyable. At least this first one. A little bit of uh, just some details. Hosea means... Do you know what Hosea means? Salvation. Okay. Thank you, Martha. You're a good teacher. Any other names that you think are like Hosea? Did you come across that at all? Hosea means salvation. Joshua and Jesus... Also means salvation, but it means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. So the last part of the UA um, means salvation, but the, the, the J and the JE or the JO means Yahweh or God is salvation. Or Yahweh is salvation. If you turn, if you aren't there yet, to the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verse 1, just look at his, where he comes from. After all, we're Mennonites says, the son of Berai. So uh, we don't know who Berai is. I can't find it anywhere else in the Bible. Some writers think that uh, because it's mentioned here, that often when it says he's the son of, like this, means that Berai was also a prophet. Don't know. No supporting evidence for that. Um, something very unique. The only of the minor prophets, that is, does anybody know? The only one of the minor prophets that is from where? <coughs> the northern kingdom. Very good. That's right. He's the only one of the prophets from the northern kingdom. All your other prophets would have been from, uh, from uh, Judah or Benjamin. And uh, so he was the only one that was from the northern kingdom. We have... Um, we have the 12 tribes of Israel on this map. You would be close enough to see. And then here we have um, in green the kingdom of Israel and in purple the kingdom of Judah. So uh, Hosea is the only of the minor prophets that is from this upper part of Israel. And that's why you will notice in the book of Hosea much of the... Much of the um, message is to Israel or another name. Did you notice another name that was used frequently? Ephraim. What does Ephraim mean in the Bible? Some time ago, as I was looking through history and so on, when you see Ephraim, Ephraim is a name connected with Israel with sin and backsliding. Often northern Israel is called Ephraim, and it's synonymous with sin and backsliding. So if you see the name Ephraim, it would often mean the northern part of the kingdom um, of Israel. And when he says Ephraim, he's a bad boy. I'm not sure how else to say it, but that's the, 
what your mom calls you when you've been a bad boy. Okay. Um, and it's synonymous, and it's used 37 times here in the book of Hosea. So, uh, yes, that is correct. It is often called um, Ephraim. One other thing is that the name Hosea um, is uh, same as the last king of Israel. And uh, we'll look at some of this just a little bit as we look at the history of it. But uh, if, you, if you have and use your Bible charts, maps, and timelines, the last king of Israel, the northern kingdom, comes down here, starts at this page, and the last name is Hoshea, H-O-S-H-E-A. And uh, King James Version has done us the favor of dropping that second H so that we can tell the difference between King Hoshea and the prophet Hosea. So uh, if you come across the last king of Israel that was taken captive to the Assyrians, his name was Hoshea. And uh, so uh, um, we can uh, tell, tell the difference there if you come into that. Now, Hosea was, um, as I mentioned uh, the, uh, two weeks ago, as I looked at the minor prophets, I had to try to discern, now do we want to follow them in the Bible or do we want to follow them in chronological order? And I decided to follow them as they are in the Bible. Hosea, so next will be Joel. Uh, and uh, so uh, it isn't exactly in chronological order. What's chronological mean? The way it happened. Very good. Chronological is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, okay? Now it would be a different order if we would go by our age, right? Um, anyway, so chronological is how it happened, and that's how I enjoy looking at and reading the Bible. Now, one thing you can tell from this, this timeline, and I, I enjoy timelines, and we'll look at them some more, so get familiar with it. This these is progression of time as it goes down. Here's the Saul, David, and Solomon, the first kings. Here's the kingdom of Israel. Here's the kingdom of Judah. And then these little blue lines in here are prophets. And uh, we see here that we have Elijah, we have Elisha, and then we have Jonah. So Jonah was probably the first of the minor prophets to live, actually. They don't know for sure the dates. And then we see that Amos, Amos also came next, and then we have Hosea. So Jonah and Amos might have very well lived before Hosea, okay? Um, but then after that, they are in chronological order. So we're close um, as far as chronological order goes. That is one type of timeline. Um, I'm going to ask all six of you boys to come up here. Okay? You remember this one from Sunday school. Okay? Dennis and Malachi, you find Jose on that one, okay? Joshua and uh, Daryl, find uh, Jose on that one. Jesse and uh, Richard, grab that one on the on the floor over there, the big one, the round one, and find Hosea on that one. Now that one is unusual, but uh, um, you notice here 
If you notice here, uh, let me see. Here's Aaron, Joshua. Here's the judges. Here's Eli. So we're getting close down here. And the prophets are on the outer edge. Okay, stand in front. Stand in front here. Okay. Okay, Dennis and Malachi, come up here. Hold the book up. Oh, this is just a portion of it. Let's show them what a timeline really looks like, okay? You take that one, Malachi. There you go. Okay, what do you really want to know? Here it is. You got the book? That's why timelines are interesting. So uh, this is from the beginning of the world to today. Well, it's a couple years old, I think. Who's the president there, Malachi? George Bush. George Bush. Okay, start folding there, uh, Dennis. Where was Hosea here? You remember? There was that one picture beside him that they always pick out for some reason. Right there. Okay, so we folded it up. Go ahead, fold it this way, Malachi. And Hosea is here. Where does it say Hosea? Right there? Mm-hmm. What does it say uh, above there, above Hosea? To reprove Israel for their sins and idolatry and warn Judah. Okay. And so he was to reprove Israel for their sins and idolatry and to warn Judah. Okay? Now from this timeline, we can tell a lot of different things. What can we tell about Hosea right here next to him? You know, Malachi? What can we tell about Hosea? This is Hosea's line. So what else can we tell right here about Hosea? Who's this? Isaiah. Isaiah. So we can tell this timeline. You look at the red line. That's Hosea's life. And this one is Isaiah's life. So they overlap. See that? So very likely they would have been prophets at the same time. Uh Uh-oh. What other red lines do we have at the same time? Who's that? Micah. Micah. Oh, Michael is a prophet there too. Okay. Possibly at the same time. Who's this? Joel. Joel? Who's this? Jonah. Jonah? Who's that? Okay, so we've got to close by. Who's this? Nahum. Nahum. So we see these right here at the same time. Okay? Um thank you. Let's go this one first. This one's lined like that one. Come up here. We could stretch this one out for a long ways too, but we'll just go for a little bit. They found where, where is Hosea? Where'd you find him? Right there? Let's go a little bit further. Okay, Joshua, what is this? What's in this blue line? What is that? What does that represent? Do you know it all? What does it say over here under my finger? Kings of Israel. So inside the blue line, we have the kings of Israel. Where'd you say Hosea is? Right here, right there. Okay. So that's his life. So by this, what happened to the kingdom of Israel during Hosea's life? Can you tell? What happened right here? Daryl. Yep. Assyrians? Okay, so here in this circle is the kingdom of Israel, and at the end it ceases to exist. They went into captivity during the life of Hosea. Okay, 
So the northern kings of Israel eventually went into oblivion during Hosea. Of course, he didn't know it. He died, I think, three or six years after after um, it happened, maybe ten years. But the kingdom of Israel ceased to exist um, here. Okay, thank you. Give me a seat. This is the top over here. Turn that up. There you go. Hold it there. This is a very interesting timeline in, in that if, you, if you're interested in genealogies, um, the green is... What is the green? Did you figure it out? No? What's the brown? Don't know either. Okay, what's this name right here? Ham. So the brown is the descendants of Ham. What does this blue say right here? Japheth. What's green say? Shem. So if you want to know where the descendants of Noah went, here you go. Where was Hosea? Down, down here. Okay? Right there. And so we have the kings of, of uh, Israel here. We have Saul, David, Solomon. And here again we have the little box of the northern kingdom. And then here we have the southern kingdom and the Jewish lineage going on into Christ. And you can actually follow it into supposedly Jewish history here today, and even including this. So we have we have Hosea over here, right there, at the end of the northern kingdom. What's wrong with this timeline that you would not agree with? I know you can't see it, but do you have any clue? Right here's Adam. What's this, Richard? Theological pages and development of life. Oh. <laughs> Geological ages and development of life. So we won't pay any attention to that chart, okay? They claim something happened before Adam here. But that's obviously not in the Bible. They found it elsewhere. So uh, you see timelines are go ahead and sit down. You see timelines are very interesting and we can find a whole lot of things and you can look at them and look at them for a long time and keep finding out some more. I'm going to point out somewhere one of these timelines gave us Hosea's lifetime. Did one of you see it? See how long Hosea lived? How long he prophesied? Did you remember seeing it? Did anybody find it? Any ideas? 60? Is that a guess? Did you read it? You saw it. That's exactly what I wanted. Look at Hosea 1, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. So he has all those kings listed. And uh, so he starts his life here in the kingdom kingdom of who? What is the first name? Daryl? Pardon? Uzziah. In the days of Uzziah. 
So we look for Uzziah on our um, timeline, which is right here. Here's Uzziah. Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah. Okay? Does it say Ahaz? Nope. Okay, so Hezekiah was the last one. Kings of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, kings of Israel. So here we have Jeroboam the second. And we don't have a clue why he didn't mention the six others. Zechariah, Shalom, Menahem, Pekah, and Hoshea. And Pekahiah. So we don't know why he doesn't mention the other six, because they would have been right at the same time. See that? Maybe it was because he wanted to amplify the descendants of David. And we do have record of that later on as we go, as we go through... Um, the book. One more. Here we have the books of the Bible in the order they are in the Bible. And then we have here the pre-exilic. Before the exile, we have Jonah, Amos, and Hosea, prophets of Israel. Prophets of Judah. We have Obadiah, Joel, Micah, Nehum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. And uh, the post-exilic. I didn't have the next page. So we, some of them were prophets before the exile, which we saw, and some were afterward. Any questions before we go on? Hosea lived approximately 60 years, prophesied through all these um, kings. Appears that Isaiah, Amos, and Micah would have been during those same kings. And if you want to do study, just look at the first verse in each of those books. Isaiah, Amos, and Micah also mention the kings, much like Hosea does here. So if you want to study that, you may, and uh, you can look at at how they corresponded. Did they know each other? Love to know. I would love to know that. Did they communicate? Did they work together? <coughs> God has chosen not to tell us that as far as I know. Hosea, his message. As God's messenger, Hosea offered salvation to the nation if they will turn from their idolatry and turn to the Lord. What was the purpose of Hosea? Written to demonstrate the steadfast or unfailing love of God for Israel. We talked about that a little bit already. In spite of her continued unfaithfulness. And you know it's the discouraging thing. It's the discouraging thing as we look and come to the kingdoms of Israel and uh, see what has happened. I have shown you this before. We'll look at it again. We have here the United Kingdom of Saul, David, and Solomon. And it's a chart that I've always wanted to find, and here it is. Here is Jeroboam 1. Was he good or bad? It says he was bad. Nadab was bad. Elah was bad. Here's Israel. Here's, here's the northern kingdom. What's unusual about all this, you boys that can read it? They're all bad. They're all bad. The northern kingdom, it says all the kings were evil. We come to the kingdom of Israel, I mean of Judah. We have uh, Rehoboam going from good to bad. We have Asa going from good to bad. And uh, here's one that's mostly good. And we have Manasseh that went from bad to good. And then we have a few good ones and bad ones. So uh, this is the reason they went into captivity and the Lord delivered them to Assyria. And they disappeared. Once something, 
Something that I found that is very interesting that I haven't pursued is that God promised to Ephraim that they would continue. And supposedly some of the Ephraimites came back to Judah and Benjamin and are part of the Jews so-called today. Take that, leave it. A lot of people are interested in knowing what's happening with the Jews and how we, how we relate to them and all of that. And uh, I find that very interesting but uh, don't have um, exactly where to go with that. So put that in your hat. You may need, to, you may need that later. Um, okay, we've talked a little bit about why he wrote the book. We talked about that he, the love of God, and he wants to show it to the backsliding people of Israel. Let's go to verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Berai, The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea. Look at verse 2. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. So we have these words as the word of the Lord. It's not just something that he wrote down and, and, well, maybe this is something pertinent or not. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And uh, we'll look at that in a little bit more detail later. Um... Let's first get the question out of our, our, our way, uh, about what we were talking about. Look at verse 3, verse 2. So the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. There it is. Lord said, Hosea, I want you to go and get a woman, marry a woman that was unfaithful, has been unfaithful, and uh, is, in a sense, defiled, and I want her to be your wife. Now, we often, often where our mind goes is that, why did God say that? Would God ask us to do that today? Okay, I'm right there with you, Steve. Exactly. We would question a prophet that would come and say, you know, I've, I've got this prostitute I found and, and I'm going to marry her. And we'd have our questions, rightly so. I'm not sure exactly where to go with that, but I trust that the Lord can help us to look at it a little bit deeper. God would come to you, and I'm talking to you, us men, and say that. Wouldn't we have to accept it first here? That doesn't sound quite right. That doesn't sound right to what we hear. That doesn't really sound like what God wants me to be. And Hosea, I believe, had to first of all reconcile that in his own life. But I am going to say this much, that Hosea had a close walk with God to the sense where he understood God and what God was saying. Why do I say that? Because after he took his wife, it says, and the Lord in verse 4, verse 3, So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, 
And I want to insert here that I think Gomer was a Jew. He didn't necessarily go out and marry a Gentile. I believe she was a Jew, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel. Did the Lord tell you plainly what to call your children? Maybe I should ask you wives. Did you get a light from heaven and say, You should name your child Sarah? Okay, you weren't going to call her Delilah. I mean, Richard, you weren't going to call her Delilah, right? Because of the implications of that name. So you're saying, Paul, that God did direct you how to how to use her name, right? I believe that. I believe that. But I believe, and I want the point that I want to see here is that in verse four, and in verse six, and in verse. Nine, God told them specifically, this is what you're supposed to name them. Richard, what if God would have said, I want you to call your next daughter Chicago. Chicago's a wicked city, and I want you to talk about Chicago being wicked, and you're going to call... Well, actually, it was a son. Verse 4, And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel. For yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdoms of the house of Israel. You know, I'm going to come down, I'm going to destroy Chicago. It's just so wicked, I'm just fed up with it. I'm just going to destroy it. I'm going to move it out. People say, Richard, why do you call your daughter Chicago or your son? Well, God's going to come and destroy him. That's why. Oh, that's a strange name. Then he had a daughter, and he called her... Loruhema, verse 6. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. And I didn't write down, I had looked it up, but I didn't write down exactly what... Oh, on the sideline it says, that is not having obtained mercy... So it's like his his daughter was called Illinois. Well, what about the third one? Verse 8, Now when she had weaned Loruhema, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Loami. For ye are net, for ye are not my people, and I will not be my God, be your God. And the definition of that is not my people. So I'm not sure what the modern-day equivalent of that would be. But obviously Hosea had a, had a place of prominence to where naming his children and marrying an unfaithful wife was a message to the people to come back to God. And so that is why God asked him to marry a prostitute. That's why God asked him to marry someone that wasn't faithful. It was to portray... It was to draw a portrait of God's dealing with Israel. Show what's going to happen. What's going to be. What is happening. I'm not sure who'd listen if we would do that today. I think our our ministry is different than marrying as God did called Hosea. And to do that. So uh, um, 
I wonder, can we kind of look at, instead of just thinking that Hosea married a prostitute, thinking that Hosea was faithful to God and what he asked him to do. Hosea was faithful to God and what he asked him to do. He had a specific calling of God. His supreme dedication. Um, He not only married the prostitute, but she left him. Chapter 3. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for fifteen pieces of silver, and for an homer of barley, and an half homer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days, thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man, so will I also be for thee. So not only had he married her, but she ran away, and he went and got her again. And uh, he uses that as an example as well in verse 4. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without teraphim. Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So we have here that... Uh, Hosea said that he's going to be faithful to her and asked that she should be faithful to him. And uh, that's the last that we know of their marriage relationship. I guess the thing that I would like to, to, for you to remember about this marriage relationship is that Hosea was committed to God and to do what he asked him. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense what God asks of us. But I wonder what Isaiah said when Hosea told him, you know, I'm supposed to go marry a prostitute. Well, Isaiah was asked to walk around without clothes for three years, too. And so God had ways to, of getting his message across to people during this time in ways that um, we would question. But I believe that as we worship and serve God, he will show us how he wants us to serve him. And... Uh, It is up to us to be submissive to that. I definitely believe in our day-to-day that New Testament teaching, that the God calls the church, and that how you are asked to minister is definitely supported by the church as well. That God will show to others your calling as well as to you. And uh, together we can minister how that God uh, worked. So... Uh, that's why I have the question, did Isaiah and, and Micah and Amos know about Hosea? Did they communicate? Did they work together? I don't know. But I would be curious to know. So, uh, All of this, I believe I can sum up, that shows the heart of a loving and compassionate God who loves to bless his people with the knowledge of himself. And uh, God wanted to show his love to them. Okay, Uh, I believe Hosea had a strong testimony against northern Israel. After all, that's where he was from. And uh, they had been unfaithful. We saw the kings. They were all bad. They were all wicked. And uh, in chapter 4, I want to look at a few verses there. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy... With the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, 
nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of the heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let not man, no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest." Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. We'll pause to read uh, there. Um, Another explanation that I wanted to give, that he talks about his mother once in a while, and it seems that he's referring to the government, the kings, the ones, the rulers, when he talks about their mother. And uh, But I notice here that... Um, he tells or says the problem of Israel. It says in verse 1, says, The Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. What would we call a controversy today? Someone wanted to suggest a lawsuit. He had a bone to pick with them. He had something against them. The Lord has something against thee. Much like he he would say in the book of Revelations, I have somewhat against thee. And he talks about the churches there. The Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no what? Truth. And no mercy. And no knowledge of God. Three things. And as I think of these three things... I just really think of our world today. No truth. You know, everybody wants to think that I am the one that determines truth. I am the one that decides whether it's truth or not. Instead of going to the Bible, instead of going to God and seeing absolute truth, there is no truth, nor mercy. Everybody it's out for himself. Kill or be killed. Dog eat dog, as we say. No mercy. Everybody wants to... Everything for themselves. And then thirdly, nor knowledge of God in the land. They didn't want to understand God. How do you get to understand God? Well, let me say that differently. How do you gain knowledge of God? Do you have a Bible verse that supports that? Study to show thyself approved unto God. That's a good one. Any others? What about line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little? We gain the knowledge of God by starting, by starting, by starting. And many times you will often have people come to you and say, you know, I just wasn't ready to be baptized. I just don't, didn't understand back then like I do now. That's the way it should be. That's exactly the way it should be. It's keep growing, keep. It's knowledge upon knowledge. It's like laying bricks. It's like building a house out of Legos. It keeps going. And so you think, well, I just don't really know much about God. I'm not going to read my Bible. Is that the right attitude? (coughs) No. (coughs) I'm really not hungry. I'm just not going to eat. That works for about so long. Maybe it'd be more adequate to say, you know, I'm really hungry, but I'm not going to eat. 
Knowledge builds upon knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge, and it keeps going. So here we have, just in a nutshell, a little bit of the wickedness of, of Israel. Not only the, uh, the idolatry, which you read, and as you looked at the chapters, and as you went through, you saw all of those things. Now, turn over to chapter 11. Uh, we have God's love for, for Israel, and uh, we have what God... Um, showed the love that he wanted to show them. Actually, I got ahead of myself, and this has to do with the Sunday school lesson, so turn back to chapter 2, the last verses. This is God promising to... um, This is a promise that God made through Hosea. And in verse 23, he said, I will sow her unto me in the earth. And I will have mercy upon her that hath not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which were not my people, Thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. Who do you think he was referring to? Thou art not my people. Gentiles. A prophecy that the Gentiles would come into salvation. I will say to them which were not my people, Thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. He brought salvation to the Gentiles. Okay, now let's go to chapter 11. Expressing much of the same love, expressing much of the same um, appreciation for what God does for him. Now think think, uh, descriptively. Let your imagination go. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burned incense to graven images. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords if a, of a man with bands of love, and I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. I know prophets are vague, and for me, one of the worst things I hated in school was to analyze a poem. But Scripture is becoming interesting, so I guess the Lord is changing my heart. But if we want to look at just a little bit of imagination, what are some of the practical things he's talking about here? Just for instance, when Israel was a child, then I loved him. And called my son out of Egypt. What's he talking about? Jesus. Out of Egypt? Is that right? When did Jesus come out of Egypt? Soon after he was born, they fled to Egypt, away from Herod, so that they could, so that they could come back and he was, lived in Nazareth. That's right. As they called them, Um, Also in verse 3 it says, I taught Ephraim also how to go or how to walk, taking them by their arms. He says, when they were small, I took them by their hands and helped them to walk. Can you see that? Taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them, that he was close to them as children. He was trying to get them, probably could very well be, as he took them through the wilderness. Verse 4, I drew them with cords of a man. Now this may be kind of far-fetched. Somebody thought that that is like, have you ever taken, I know we don't use diapers anymore like we used to, but you take a diaper and let them hang on to it with their hands to help them to learn walk, right? Or their blanket. 
says, I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love. And I was to them as they that take the yoke off the jaws. I was comforting. Somebody called this John 3.16 of Hosea. I was a comfort to them. Come unto me. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I laid meat unto them. I gave them something to eat. So you see how that um, a lot of these things mention things that are later in the Bible. Okay, some of you, sometimes people say, well, Hosea is so vague, there's a lot of things that really don't come to mind. And I'm going to give, I'm going to give you a little bit of exercise, see how you read this. But I have some New Testament scriptures. And if you look at the book of Hosea, tell me what verse it refers to as I read these New Testament scriptures. Because Jesus himself quoted Hosea. So it's not a question whether it's inspired or not, because Jesus himself talked about Hosea. Matthew 9.13, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 12.7, But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. Any idea what verse in Hosea would be close to that? Six? What verse? Verse six. For I have desired mercy and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. So Jesus himself quoted out of Hosea. Here's a second one. And was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Where is it found in Hosea? 11, one. when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Third one, Romans 9.25. We're getting there in our lesson. As he saith also in O-C, O-S-E-E, pretty plain, somewhere. I will call them my people, which are not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. What verse in Hosea? 2.23, what we looked at. Also reference to 1, verse 10. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. So you have one ten and 2.23. So we have reference of Hosea in the New Testament. Two more. One. Number four, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Where would that refer to in Hosea? Chapter 13, verse 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plague. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. Not exactly, but it's there. Good eyes. One more, First Peter 2.10, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Actually, that is 2.23. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that has not obtained mercy, 
And I will say to them that we're not my people, thou art my people. So it's again the same one. There's another one that I haven't written down, but that I noticed, and that is the law of sowing and reaping. And I don't have the New Testament, but where did you, did you somewhere notice a verse about sowing and reaping in the book of Hosea? 10.12. Thank you, Steve. Sow to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies, because you didn't trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. And so uh, we see that Hosea is supported in the New Testament. Don't give up on the minor prophets. They're very meaningful. They're very important. One more. And that is the list of five things that I had given um, that are probably ingredients to most of the books of the prophets. And I've made papers like this, and I've laid them on the banister for you to take. And I'll try and keep them supplied as we go through the minor prophets so that you can take one for each book, possibly, and write down as you read through the book if you find them. Now, I'm going to be the first one to say you'll probably not find all five in every book. But um, I find this interesting. I find it um, enjoyable. Um, and I, I had given these. Did somebody happen to fulfill these five as you read them? For those of you boys that were writing them down uh, before when I gave them, here they are. Number one, warning of impending judgment because of the nation's sinfulness. We read that in chapter 1, verse 2. The land hath committed great whoredoms, departing from the Lord. Um, And that could also be, number two, a description of the sin. Well, and there I have chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. And he talks about the no truth, no mercy, and no knowledge. A description of the coming judgment, number three. You have a verse you want to put there? Chapter 2, verse 13, And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers and forgot me, saith the Lord. And then, a call for repentance. Any verses of repentance that you noticed? 4.1 Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. Any others? 2-2. Two, two. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. Very good. 14-1. Israel, return. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Fifth one. A promise of future deliverance. A promise of future deliverance. Fourteen four. Everybody turn to that one. Hosea fourteen, verse four. And let's look through four through seven. I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. 
They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. So, verse 9, yet, Who is wise, and he shall understand these things, prudent, and he shall know them? For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. So as we look at the at the uh, message of Hosea, and as difficult as it may be to decipher and to understand what he's saying, he's saying, Israel, you're a sinner, you need to repent, and God is going to come back. We see his tenderness. I admire Hosea's, Hosea's tenderness here in chapter 14. Those beautiful words there in the last chapter of God description, coming as a dew, his branches shall spread. His beauty shall be as the olive tree, and he shall smell as Lebanon. Lebanon was supposedly a forest and uh, smelled good. So uh, we have there God's gentleness asking them to come back and to be his children. So I think that's a message that we'll often find in, the, in the, these minor prophets is one of repentance. Come back to God. Now yet our theme verses before we close. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Let's say them together. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And that's the goal, that God would draw us closer to him as we go through these minor prophets. He's a tender, loving God, even as Hosea portrayed him to us. Let's kneel for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your love and care. We thank you for the prophet Hosea and his diligence in life to serve you faithfully, even though we have questions about how you ask him to do it. We pray that you would answer those in our minds and would help us to have the dedication that Hosea did as he served you, did what you asked him to, and as he penned these words for us to have even today. We pray, Father, that that would be the experience of everyone here to return to you and to feel your presence and guidance and direction in their life and in our lives, that we would prosper and serve you faithfully, that we would be the ones that would call you Lord and that would want to serve you each day. We pray, Father, that you'd help us as we go from here to remember the challenge of this life and to use it to grow by. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.